0: welcome to the Happy in Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Arnold. I'm an expert certified coach and a physician mom. I help women physicians go from burnout to happy in medicine. Let's get started. Today we go behind the scenes. I'm gonna be answering questions submitted to me via email and I love behind the scenes because you get a chance to see real questions from real people and get their real coaching and use it for yourself. It's a way to have unexpected tools and support in ways you might not have even considered before. So let's get started. Question one, I have young kids, a busy work life. I don't fulfill any of my roles. Can you please help me? So first of all, I have so much sympathy here. I used to have all of these thoughts and feelings before coaching too. And what really helped me shift was realizing that we get to decide what fulfilling those roles is. And so I would encourage you just to sit down. Okay. Fulfilling these roles is something you want and you can have it. What would it look like? How can you define it and be so specific and so kind to yourself so where my brain might offer before coaching while fulfilling my rules is that my kids are on time to school. They don't fight with me. They eat vegetables, that they're getting good grades, that their teachers love them, right? That would be my fill, fill my role as a mom is I would make it all about all these things I can't really control versus... Fulfilling my role will change from day to day. On days where I have lots of time, maybe fulfilling my role is having breakfast with them and chatting and driving them to school. That's fun. And on other days when I have lots of meetings, fulfilling my role is wishing them well, right? (laughs) Trusting that they're going to get themselves to school. My kids are teenagers. Trusting that I might not see them in the morning. That can still be fulfilling my role. So start with... What is fulfilling your role? Could you have some flexibility into it so that you allow for day-to-day changes in energy level, time, and schedule? You can fulfill your role for sure. Make sure you define it in a way that supports you. Question number two, I'm planning on retiring next year. My life has been very busy. I'm worried, a little bit scared about what this transition will be like. So my coaching there is it's very common to be anxious if we haven't done something before, right? It's just it's common. We've had a life uh a certain way and then we anticipate it changing, it would be make sense that you might be nervous. So here's what the brain loves to get exercised, worried, concerned when it doesn't have plans. You know, questions like, what are my, you know, my plans are retiring. Period. There's no like, what are your plans after retiring? So part of calming your brain is making some plans. If you want to, like, what would it be like? And here's where I would suggest, find what you loved about your career. Everyone has something they love about their career. something they hate, but we want to take into retirement, the things that we love. So what did you love about it? Did you know you can have all that stuff when you're retiring, I was actually just coaching someone who's, who meant to retire 20 years ago, but never got around to it because she was just too scared. She couldn't have a plan. So we just said, okay, but well, what do you love about your career? She says, I love having friendships. I love having adults. I can talk to regularly. I love having people check in on me. And she thought when she retired, all that would go away. And we, I just kind of remind her, listen, you know, all those friends you made over the last 30 years, they're still your friends. You just get to find new ways of engaging with them. We're going to be more creative. We're going to find ways to find common time, common time, common interests. And you for sure get to keep all your friends. They don't go away. And you're going to get to make even more friends if you want to. With shared interests of what you really want to do with your time. So, for example, if you love hiking, join a hiking group. You're going to meet a lot of people who have that shared interest. What a beautiful way to start a friendship! You love exploring eateries and, and you're a foodie, join a foodie group and go explore your local restaurants with other people. When you have shared interests, it's such a beautiful way to build friendships. She says she wants people to check in on, she wants people to check on her. We can create that, especially if you've already had it in your career. You just kind of say, hey, listen, I'm retiring. I'm not going to Pluto. Let's just keep checking in on each other. Let's just keep reaching out. Relationships require effort. And so we just reassure our brain, we can still put that effort in and We have so many different areas we can create friendships for, from if we want to, from keeping the ones from our, from our career and building new ones from our hobbies. Everything you love, you can keep and repurpose. And let's leave the things you didn't love so much in their career. I think this is important too. I see a lot of people who really had a lot of hustling in medicine and then they retire without a plan and they wind up hustling through retirement. And I I think you want to avoid that. So instead of falling into repeating all of the bad habits while we we accumulated that served us well in medicine to some extent, instead of bringing those into retirement, we could also say, listen, these things worked. I'm keeping these things and these things that didn't work, the hustle, the constantly having to work, the constantly having to agree to committee stuff I didn't want to do, the teaching more than I wanted, the call, like all that, I get to leave behind. I want to make space for some magic, some hope, some new things. So it's a it's a combination of meeting ourselves where we are. When your question is about plans. We develop a plan, and some of the plan is not having a plan. Some of the plan is let me just leave some open space to see who I want to grow into. And I would part of keeping the space would be. To allow yourself to have some nervousness, some anxiety, some worry. It makes so much sense that you would have those feelings as you approach a new transition. And it's not a problem. We can take care of ourselves while we're a little bit anxious. We can lean into that anxiety and say, what is here for me? What am I worried about? Let me make a plan for that. Be willing. My advice for you here is be willing to experiment. Retirement is such a beautiful chance to say, all right. I'm getting rid of all the stuff that I didn't like anymore. I'm going to keep this stuff and let me experiment with the rest. Let me me figure out what I love by doing it and doing it messy. And then as I do it and I decide, oh my gosh, I really do not like running every three days. I'm going to drop it. Maybe I'll try tennis or maybe I'll try pickleball or maybe I'll try swimming. Right. So allowing yourself to learn by doing, by allowing it to be messy can be such a beautiful way to reconnect with yourself. Next question. I'm a trainee is it really possible for me to have self care at this point? Do you have any advice about building this into my life before I start as a faculty? I think this is such a brilliant question because I think the predominant opinion in medicine is I can't take care of myself until I'm a faculty member, even if that's 20 years down the line. And here's the thing we become a faculty member, we have never taken care of ourselves, and guess what? We just continue not to take care of ourselves. And we just kept pushing at the finish line. And then we're like, well, I'll take care of myself when I retire in 40 years, right? Before we know our whole life has gone by and we haven't taken care of ourselves. So how brilliant for this generation to be thinking about how can I take care of myself now? It's such a gift to your future self. If you can do it as a trainee, you for sure will carry that with you into faculty. And that will help you all throughout your career because you've already built that muscle. I love that. Something I teach my clients is watch out for this thought. I'll feel better when. I'll take care of myself when. I'll slow down when. Like your brain is always going to say not now in 10, 20 years. Instead, we can offer how can I take care of myself now? So here's what I would offer you. Think about daydream on what you want your life as faculty to be like. Sometimes it's easier to daydream further ahead. What do you want it to look like? Your work-life balance that you're referring to, what does that exactly look like? And then work backwards from that. So for example, if your idea of work-life balance when your family is when you or your faculty is to have a family and eat dinner together every night at six o'clock, amazing. I love that plan. And start now. Even if you do not have a significant other or children, start now, start on Sunday. Just say Sunday at 6 p.m. I'm going to start this habit of having a meal. I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to bring out a placemat. I'm going to sit at the table. And I'm going to start this tradition of Sunday 6 p.m. Having a meal. Over time, you'll add the partner. You'll have the kids. All of that will come. You'll be doing it Sunday night, Monday through Friday. It'll be so much easier if you go ahead and start now with your tradition. Right? Then add into it. Or another example is, I hear a lot of people saying, "I'm going to read for pleasure one day. Stop reading the papers and checking out on PubMed, man. Printing out all those papers I never read. Someday I'm going to read for pleasure. Start now, even if it's only three sentences a week. Let's be like I would. I really would encourage you as you try new things, to do them in very very small bites, so your brain gets on board." we're going to make it inevitable for your success. So we have a goal, one sentence a week, reading for pleasure. You can start that right now. And that's going to feel really good. And that will start creating momentum. Before you know it, you'll have a whole book read for pleasure. And it's possible you'll sit down to read one sentence a week. You'll wind up reading for an hour on Sundays. Maybe you'll get through a few books faster than you thought. And then you become the person who reads books for pleasure and it's just as easy to build onto that. Start now. Don't wait to become faculty. Start now. Snow, you, you deserve to have fun in your life right now. And when you do have fun, it makes the rest of your life even more enjoyable. So start now. Next question. Imposter syndrome is stopping me from the career I really want. I don't feel like I can pursue research. I don't feel like I can share my ideas. I feel really stuck in my career because of imposter syndrome. What can I do? So I'll say I have a whole course on imposter syndrome. And when you join, you get access to that immediately. I teach imposter syndrome different than I've heard it anywhere else. I teach that imposter syndrome is a normal feeling every human experiences as we do something new. Of course, our brain gets scared when it's not caught up to what we're doing. We're going through a, a growth period and we and we haven't done something before. There's nothing wrong with that feeling. That's a feeling we get right before we have a growth, a transformation. Our job is to hold ourselves through that uncomfortable feeling until it becomes less uncomfortable. And that's what we do in coaching. We decode our feelings. We support ourselves no matter what. There's an expression that fear gets smaller as you move toward it. Fear gets smaller as you move toward it. Think about that. Every big event in your life, you are probably a little bit scared about. Learning how to drive, going off to college, getting married, starting med school, having kids, starting your job. Fear, imposter syndrome was the thing that preceded everything else. The other side of the fear was the biggest gift of your life right fear is not a bad thing recognize you could just transform that fear is a feeling that imposter syndrome is a feeling you have right before something beautiful you can hold yourself you can make yourself not wrong for having it hold yourself in the belief something amazing is on the other side take care of yourself all the way along imposter syndrome doesn't hold you back it delivers the most cared for held life it delivers over time competence and you keep taking care of yourself every time the feeling comes up. You can be afraid, have imposter syndrome while you work towards your goals. Like this, The imposter syndrome, this fear, anxiety, whatever's coming up for you is not a stop sign that you can't have what you want. Not at all. You can have and hold this feeling while you share your thoughts with your colleagues, while you move a research project forward can do both at once. That's what I teach in my program. We don't make ourselves wrong. We work with the feelings that we have. Feelings that we have are very useful. And when you allow them, you drop so much resistance to your life. You can put all that energy towards being curious about how you can achieve the things you deserve and want. If we were in coaching, I would also say like the fear is usually of something specific. And so in coaching, what we work on is what are you afraid of here? If you share an idea with a colleague, what is the bad outcome your brain is trying to protect you from? Let's explore it and let's make a plan for it. So what some people would say is, well, I'm afraid they're going to laugh at me and they're going to tell me my idea is dumb. And we want to start with maybe they'll do that. Also, maybe they'll think it's really interesting, or maybe they'll really admire you for having an opinion. Like we want to leave space for all of it. And also, since your brain is concerned that someone will laugh at you and tell your idea is dumb, we get to make a plan for that already. Let's just say in the off chance someone laughs and thinks it's dumb. What do you want to do then? You really get to choose. The, que- the possibilities include you could decide, yeah, I don't want to do this project. If you don't want to, it's Okay. You could decide. You know what? This person is not someone I want to partner with on the research. That's okay. You could laugh with them. You could say you're right. What? Do you, that does sound a little, a little dumb. If you agree, you could say that does sound weird. Um, let me try this, or let me go there, or do you have a better idea? Or let's work together on something that sounds really good. Or you could just not take any of their comments seriously and be like, "Oh, that's interesting. I don't agree." Neither of us are wrong. It's okay that he thinks this and I think that. There's no problem here. right? There's so many options, and those are just a few. We could build 20,000 more options. But when someone laughs and says your idea is dumb, that's not where the story has to end. You can keep nurturing that idea if you want to. Of course you can. You can keep believing in it no matter what. Of course you can. My advice here is generally what people are afraid of is that it will be a failure and they will be the people who they care about will think of less of them. And of course, if that's a thought going on, it's hard to try First is there's the option of saying, you know, how I learn best, how most humans learn best is by trying, failing and learning, trying, failing and learning so that at any given time, we're either winning Or we're learning how to win, but there is no failure here when we look at it that way. If the way I get good is allowing myself to be a little bit bad at something at the beginning, then let's just get through the bad part first. Let's just plow through. Let's just get through it, knowing that we're going to get better every single time. The key there would be able to support yourself no matter what, even all those uncomfortable feelings like imposter syndrome, fear, worry, anxiety, fails are the fastest way to learn if you can allow room for it to be messy it's going to be the fastest way to get good And i think through coaching you can support yourself at every step along the way can make that journey a really beautiful one right as a department chair i would love to have some support with my staff and their intergenerational difficulties So I would start with coaching here with how great of you to recognize that different generations have different needs. Amazing. That's so helpful. Many leaders don't get that. So you are at such an advantage. And the other coaching piece that I would suggest is differences are not difficulties. Your brain laid it out as there are difficulties. And I imagine when you think difficulties, how does that feel? Feels like an obstacle, pressure, work heavy responsibility that's what it feels like to me difficulty sounds difficult so our coaching here would be there are intergenerational differences doesn't have to be heavy or work or pressure There just are what an advantage to be able to see kind of get some perspective from that these different these differences don't have to be difficulties they just could be an interesting way to There are differing needs of different generations, and we can all work together to have all our needs met. The younger generation, maybe they're more concerned with child care and support. The older generation, maybe they're more concerned about security, retirement issues. But what if none of these were difficulties? All these were differences? All needs could be met. All problems could be solved. That's the coaching that I would start with you, department chair. And to your question of how do I solve them, I think you're on the right track. My suggestion would be to open the dialogue because the only people who really, really, really know about the differences and unique needs will be the people themselves. So the more you can include them in the decision-making and include, okay, what are your issues here? What, What would make your job better? What would make your job amazing? And query them and empower them and also the... Problem-solving aspects. Sometimes when someone who doesn't have a problem solves for it, they just create more problems. Versus when you take the mom who's concerned about childcare and you include her in the problem solving, you're going to probably come up with a solution that serves her people who actually need the solution, right? So include them in the intake of the problems and in the problem solving as well. And I would say department chair, coaching can be a really beautiful tool. So of course, I would say bring in a coach to your university to help champion these discussions, to help lead the, the way, to help problem solve, to help clarify these intergenerational differences and solutions. Last question is, I am finding I'm getting no joy out of my work. I worry that this is reflecting in other parts of my life. Please help me. So I'm really glad you shared this question. And anytime someone says they're getting no joy out of their life, any part of their life, I think we need to check in with, do we need a therapy, medication, psychiatry, higher level care and coaching? Coaching is for thriving individuals to help them thrive even more. When we have a feeling of there is no joy in my life, that might be a sign of depression or something that could benefit from a higher level of care. And we never, ever, ever want to miss out on the opportunity to support ourselves in all the ways. So if you were thinking you have no joy, my suggestion is to book an appointment with your therapist, your family practice physician, and look at what are some other mental health support resources. Of course, if you ever think about hurting, killing yourself or others, 911 or whatever your emergency resources, whatever part of the world you're in, there is always someone available to help you. Make sure you take advantage of it. We want all the tools to help in all the ways for all the people because your life matters. This work matters. Okay, so having said that, I would say that this is not an uncommon thought to someone shares is I'm just really not loving my job. I once loved it and I don't love it anymore. This is one of the features of burnout. If you were to take an inventory test, that would be signaling some features of burnout. And so what I would be really curious about the coaching here is... One was it sounds it sounds like you're asking about you're having no joy. I probably would ask when was the last time you had joy? Well, let's go back maybe it's twenty years ago. maybe it was two weeks ago figuring out when was the last time you had that feeling what changed in the meantime? what were you doing back then? We can follow those hot tracks and figure that and figure that piece out then we can start solving for it because you for sure can feel joy right? Unless there is a depression or something that's going on that needs more higher level support. When was the last time you experienced it? What were you doing? And let's go do more of that. Let's start there. So I met with someone recently who was like, gosh, um, last time I felt joy was 20 years ago before I had my children. (laughs) Because children take up a lot of time. I've laughed because I've been there too. He was like, the last thing I remember doing that gave me a lot of joy was swimming. And so what we worked on is just included swimming in his life. We started there. Like one swim once a month. Let's just check in and see. And as soon as he started swimming, he started feeling more connected to himself. And through that connection, we were able to unearth, okay, what else has been going on? Where What else needs attention? Where else can we stuff joy? And over time, we just stuffed joy in all little pockets of his life. Just a little more joy here, a little more joy there, listening to his music that he loved 20 years ago before Teletubbies came around with his little kids, right? He found the, the music he used to like. He found, reconnected with his friends from med school. He just found all these things that he loved back then were still accessible to him, maybe in a little different form, but he was able to connect with the joy through the experiences that he remembered that were causing the joy or that were associated with the joy. So that's one way to go back. Coaching, of course, will go a lot deeper into that, into understanding what's going on now that's interfering with the joy and making plans and inroads around that. I think the other thing I'd love to recommend, there's a podcast episode on this called 1% Wins, is when we're feeling like we really are lacking joy, assuming you've had that discussion with your, about mental health awareness with your provider Assuming that's all tucked away, if we're looking, working on making more joy, I think 1% wins can be so valuable because they're really small wins. So it's something that doesn't require a lot of effort that you could do today. You have a result, a win today. 1% wins are everything. We feel like we have nothing. That 1% when just starts shifting us, building the momentum of getting back the joy we were looking for. We had it before. We for sure could have it again. Now it's just about connecting ourselves back to ourselves and the things that, that we remember associated with the joy. And we can still have that today. The smaller you make that first step, the easier it is to try, the more you'll likely have results today. It's everything. If this podcast resonated with you, if there was something here that you're like, oh, that's interesting. I would love to work on my imposter syndrome. I'd love to hire a coach to come in and talk to my department with the intergenerational differences. I'd love to have a coach to help me through retirement. I'd love to have a coach to help me fulfill my roles. Once you know, this is the work we do every day inside my coaching program. We would love to have you join us. You can join right now or schedule a free coaching consultation by going to your path on the console call, it is designed to give you something that no matter what, even if you decide to join with me or not, you'll leave with clarity about what you want and a path forward. It's a really beautiful process. It's free and it's available by going to yourpathandfocus.com. To never miss a podcast, a special, a freebie, a bonus, make sure you've entered your email at com slash email. That is com slash email. Have a beautiful week, everyone. I also wanna thank those of you who listened all the way to the end. Thank you so much. And may I ask you for a little favor? Since you listened all the way to the end, do you mind subscribing and leaving a five-star review with a comment on iTunes? The comment can be super brief. It can just be, I love this episode, or I can't wait for more, or whatever's on your mind. Why that's so meaningful is it helps the algorithm send this podcast to more people like you. We can help more people feel better right now. And this is how we can partner together to make the world a better, safer place for everyone. I'd appreciate that so much. See you next time. Bye.